Bookshop, the George Street Community Bookshop podcast for book lovers everywhere. Welcome to In the Bookshop, a podcast usually recorded in George Street Community Bookshop in Glossop, the gateway to the beautiful Peak District. I say usually recorded in the shop because we are, of course, continuing to stay extremely alert and recording via the wonder of the World Wide Web. My name is Steve Roberts, and I'm the manager of George Street Community Bookshop. Each episode, myself and producer Simon Galloway are joined by a guest who tells us about five or six books they love and why they love them. In this episode, our guest is Sunday Times best-selling author Millie Johnson. She is one of the top ten female fiction authors in the UK, with millions of copies of her books sold across the world, and was born raised and still lives in Barnsley, South Yorkshire. A writer who champions women and highlights the importance of friendship and community. Millie's characters are celebrations of the strength of the human spirit. But this introduction only hints at Millie's incredible work rate. She is a published poet, writes novellas and short stories. She's a joke writer, an after-dinner speaker and a newspaper columnist. Her 18th novel, I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day, is out now. Welcome to In The Bookshop, Millie. I I didn't recognise myself with that. (laughs) I was waiting for somebody else to appear. (laughs) Hello. Well, that's quite a a bit of work, isn't it? It is, it is, and it creeps up on you, you know, because you you suddenly look at a bookshelf. I think all authors do this. They look at the the body of work that they've got and they think, how the hell did... Did all that happen? You know, you just look back. But yes, yes, I've I've done all this. I've done all this stuff. Looking back to a point in my life when I really wanted more than anything to have one book published. Right. Yeah. Um. It it does show you what you can achieve with with a, a bit of sheer bloody mindedness and talent. You must have talent. Well, obviously, yes. you know, um, but, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, you do, to be to be fair, and not blowing smoke up my own backside, um, you you do need a bit of talent. Yes. And you also need the ability um, to say, well, I, I've been told that I can do this, so I'm going to. And if you've got those two things, you will make it in this business. Right, brilliant. You will make it in this business. You have to be kind of real, realistic, you know, so if you've got absolutely no talent whatsoever for writing, you're not going to do it. It's a bit like me wanting to be a Vogue model. You know, it's not going to happen. However much I want it, and I might want it more than anything, luckily for me, I don't. It's not going to happen, you know. But but anyway, you you do want to get a word in, I suppose, in this no, interview. No, not at, at all, some no. point. <laughs> the, 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 perfect, the perfect guest allows me to say nothing. <laughs> so how about before we get into the books, that um, some of the books that you love, if you tell yes. us about uh, your, your new book that that's, uh, is out now, I wish it could be Christmas every day. Well, um, if I can be quite honest about this book and say that I, I think it's magical. And I think it's magical for the reason that if I had written it at any other point, um, it, it wouldn't be the book that it is. And it's the book I think I'm most proud of that I've ever written. Um, I've had this title in my um, head for years. I was terrified somebody would would nick it, but I thought I want to write a book around I wish it could be Christmas every day. It was originally some sort of Brigadoon thing. I didn't really have time in my timetable to write this book, but it was ticking over in, in the background. 
and um, it was going to be some sort of magical land that sprung up, you know. And and but my my books are have a little bit of a sprinkling of the supernatural in yeah. them, and so this was taking it a bit too far, you know. And I didn't really have the energy to to write that sort of book. And then um, I was I was starting to think about it last year when my dad was really poorly and my dad died at Christmas. Um, and I should have had this book written by January the 31st. And because of what had happened at the latter end of last year, um, by, by Christmas, I had got one chapter written. And my editor said to me, why don't you just put this off till next year? And then Christmas happened and in January, I thought I need somewhere to put all the stuff that's inside me. I, I need I need to put it out on paper. You know, writing is wonderful therapy for writers. Um, and I started to write this book. And because of, of what had happened to me, I didn't want it to be a miserable book. I, quite the opposite. I wanted to work some things out and kind of celebrate the whole father and child thing. And by chance, um, a guy had won a an auction to have a, a character named after him uh, or, a, or a character named after a person of his choice and he picked his father. Right. So there was a lot of late father stuff in this book and it poured out of me. I wrote it in three weeks. By January the 31st, I'd not only written it, but I'd done an edit on it. It just, people just opening the doors and throwing a coffee in. But by what had happened, you know, they just thought, I know what she's like, just let her get on with it, you know. So I had this this book that was effectively about six people who had been locked down in an inn over Christmas. They couldn't go anywhere. Then the pandemic happened and I was I was well into the edit by then. And I thought, well, it's too late to change. Had I written it maybe a month or two later, this was a subject I would have avoided like the plague, excuse the pun, you yeah. know, people being locked down together. Um, so I persevered with it, but it was the nicest kind of lockdown. You know, it's like being locked down over Christmas when you're with the people that you like, you can't get out, you've got plenty of food and, and stuff like that. And uh, and then the rule of six came in, six people. Had there been seven or eight people in my book, I could have knackered my career, you know, because it wouldn't have. And, and so it, it all seemed as if it was fitting in with what was happening. And I was worried. I thought, goodness, this this could either work for me or against me. But I'm kind of thinking with everything that's, that's happened and the way it's happened that just maybe I've got a driving force of goodness behind me. So the storyline, there are six people who are um, who are going different places the day before Christmas, 23rd of December, before Christmas starts, you know, and there's um, there's Jack and Mary, and Jack owns a massive scone factory. Um, again, the guy who uh, won the auction, he owns the biggest scone factory in Europe. He, he lives in Barnsley down the street. And I thought, I'm going to put the scone factory in as well. In fact, <laughs> I've just, really, I've just sort of hijacked his life and made a book out of it. Um, so he owns this factory um, and he's he's got a PA who's 10 years younger than me, who has been in love with him for four years. But he, he to him, she's just the equivalent of a stapler. She's just there. And they were going to this meeting. They're going to have a meeting on Christmas Eve. They're going to stay in this hotel the night before. And this was her massive chance to show him that she was all woman and um, and not just a PA. Um, and, of course, they get hijacked by this snow and they have to hole up in this inn. So now she's got four days to 
prove to him that she is something other than just a, a humble PA, that she's a little bit more than a, 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 some fool's cap paper. Then there's um, Bridge and Luke who were meeting for five minutes to discuss their divorce. They've, dis they've been battling for five years. They've decided on a plan of action. They're going to sign a no blame piece of paper, swap them over and then go on their merry way. Neither of them trusts each other to do it by post. So they were going to meet for five minutes and go. And of course, they're trapped in this inn for four days. So it's like, will this divorce happen now or will they uncover their lost feelings for each other because there's a lot of hate there which means there's still a lot of feelings you know it's it's indifference that they need to find and they haven't they're really still warring and then there's an older gay couple charlie and robin who are on their way to the all all bells and whistles all singing and dancing a five-star hotel the christmas dinner was going to be cooked by a, a michelin star chef in Aviemore, they've gone there for the snow, but there's all this freak snow around it. You know, it's the it's the 1980s debacle all over again, where they nope, there's not going to be a hurricane. Don't worry about it. Oh, and right. then, you know, <laughs> and so it's this. There's this. <clears throat> the whole country is engulfed in this snow that hasn't been forecast, and there's no snow in Aviemore. It's all in England, and so they're trapped in this this inn with these people. So it's these six people who are at different stages in their life some have got all their stuff together some are still work in progress but they all kind of give from each other and take from each other and it's it's about these six people all kind of rubbing off on each other and, and sorting each other out and they all get on and what my copy editor pointed out which I didn't realize until we were almost at printing stage is there isn't a villain in this book okay it's it's I I wouldn't have thought it was possible to be right. honest. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of people in the background that um uh, who re were referred to as not being so great, but they're very very minor um, mentions, and and there's no villain in it. Right. And and that wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional at all. Mm. And and to cut a very 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 long story short, if you held a gun at my head and said, "What's the book that you are most proud of writing?" It would be. It would be this one because it, it just came from nowhere. Brilliant. And as I say, at the time it was everything, you know, it's been in my head for years. But there was there was about six weeks of time where this book would have happened. If it had written it before, it would be different. I don't know. I don't even know if I'd have got round to it, if it had been right. written afterwards. I don't know because I would have avoided this kind of being imprisoned in this inn. Um a, a, I would have avoided it totally. So it's it's magical to me. It's magical, and 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 I've produced something that I look at it now and think, well, I I didn't think I could do that. I I'm I'm so proud of it. I can't wait f to hear what people think about it. You know, I'm 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 so excited about it, and uh, we'll see. Anyway, we'll see if the market likes it or not. The early reviews are are, are nice, you know, which is always a nice cushion. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, you know, well, that's that's some kind of emotion which has to come out as well as talent, isn't it? It's it's an added kind of uh, ingredient to creativity, isn't it? When you've got emotion going on as well as, you know, what you can do. Yeah. Well, if if I can't make myself laugh or cry when I'm writing, right. then I, I, I'm not going to make my reader cry, you know, and I did cry when I was writing this, but I laughed more. There's there's 
you know, the banter. I love writing banter and especially between people who who kind of it's an oxygen to them. And Charlie and Robin, you know, they're very, very different. Charlie is an awful lot older than Robin, is an awful lot posher than Robin, but they bicker. But they bicker um, they never take it too far. It's all very gentle bickering and they, they, they're like two little birds at each other. But their love that they've got for each other comes right through this bickering and they care very deeply about each other. I love writing banter. You know, it was like I was sitting, it felt as if I was just standing there watching these people play out what they were doing and I was just writing down what they did. Right. That's how it felt. And it sounds bonkers, but no. authors... Any authors listening to me will be going like this. Oh, yes, I yeah. get that. Totally, I get that. Mad. Fantastic. Well, that's. I wish it could be Christmas every day. And is, it's out now, is it? Yeah. It is out now, yes. In all good bookshops, even crappy bookshops, I do believe <laughs> it's there as well. Supermarkets all over the place. Black markets, deep, <laughs> dark net. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> right, well, some, somebody will find it. Um, okay, so let's get on to the uh, five books uh, that you've chosen to, to tell us about, to talk about. So the first book I've got here is Persuasion by Jane Austen. Jane Austen's final novel, wasn't it? So do you want to tell us why you love this book? Yes. Um, the the history of, of me and Jane Austen goes back to me being at sixth form college. When English was okay, Latin and history were my favourite subjects. Right. And, and English was all right. But it, again, it's always down to your teachers. And I had okay teachers at school. They were all right. They were a bit, you know, just just teachers. There was nobody that brought this English to me alive. Um, apart from when I went to sixth form and we had this wonderful teacher called Miss Taylor. I took English at A-level and my what this woman did to me was injected me with the love of, of literature and up to this point because we'd done the Brontes yawn and, and Stan Barstow and uh, who, I, who became my friend in later life you know Stan I, I, I knew him when I lived in Howarth together I, I did love Stan Barstow Barry Hines etc but Jane Austen boring with a capital B and uh, and I wrote this essay about we had to do about persuasion and um and my teacher um, pulled me aside uh, and said, this essay is not up to your normal standards. What's going on? And I said, well, effectively, I said, well, she's she's boring. Couldn't really get motivated. And, and Miss Taylor said to me, I, I can't swear on air, I'm sure. Um, but she was rocking there. She was a, and she said, but my darling girl, she said, she's taking the P-I-double-S, she said. And I'd never heard a, a teacher say that word ever. And it, that so that hit me in the face. And then she went on to explain that these characters that she'd written, I was reading her all wrong, she said. And she sent me back to go and read this book in the light of Jane Austen taking the mick out of them all. And I did. And it was like someone ripped the scales right. from my eyes. This wonderful story, you know, if um, my, my other one of my other choices is Jane Eyre, at gunpoint, if someone said to me, which is your favourite book? I, I would love them both for, for different reasons and I would be very, uh, sometimes I pick Persuasion, sometimes I pick Jane Eyre because um, I don't know which one to pick. Um, this one at the moment is my big favourite because it does feature very heavily in I wish it could be Christmas every day it's it's 
woven into the pages was a massive influence on me and it's the story of um a woman who is um uh, in in sort of Jane Austen times who's uh, as she she likes to do her of she has no brothers so the estate is going to go to a man so um she's the the emphasis is on them all the the three sisters getting married one is already married and uh, the youngest one is married she's the middle one and uh, years ago she was um going out with this young seaman captain uh, well wentworth seaman wentworth i suppose it was it was there or whatever um and she was persuaded hence the title not to marry him because he wasn't good enough so she's sitting on the shelf now unwanted she hasn't really blossomed and her father has been spending too much money and um and he has been persuaded again to to go and live somewhere else in a smaller house and rent out his massive mansion so he rents out this mansion to an admiral croft who is married to this woman whose brother just happens to be wentworth who Anne rejected years ago. Are you with me so far? Is your brain fried? But <laughs> no, he's now a dashing. It. He's now a dashing captain, and he's quite a catch. And he and he's still really bitter about Anne rejecting him all this year ago. But my goodness, she's realised that she still fancies the pants off him. But it looks as if he's going to marry somebody else, and and the the circumstances. Of, of what happens within this story about how obviously it's a happy ending. Um, sorry if I've ruined it for anybody <laughs> there, but you know, um, but Jane Austen is a classic um, and, and writes um, effectively Victorian chick lit, you know, um, yeah. she's a classic one day, maybe in a 200 years, maybe I'll be a classic. I don't know. But, um, but she, she's written this beautiful book about these two people coming together um but um through there's a a few obstacles that get thrown in their path and it looks as if Anne might be marrying somebody else and then there's there's the archetypal um love letter which to me is the love letter of all love letters where um she and and captain wentworth are in a room and she's saying that you know if if a, a bloke's actually if once a romance has ended, they move on. And he's listening to all this and he writes this letter saying, it's like, well, you're talking claptrap yeah. because blokes do not forget at all. And um, and anyway, they get together. But this, this, love, this love letter is begins and anyone will know it says, you pierce my soul. I am half agony, half hope. And it, it's like, oh my God, if a bloke wrote that, to, you know, yeah. your drawers, your Victorian drawers would fall off on the floor. <laughs> um, and there was a, you know, you, you see there's various TV adaptations of this um, going on. But I love the, the Amanda Root and Kieran Hines version. If you ever want to watch this thing, I can't be bothered reading the book. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at the film first. The Amanda Root one, she, she actively... She she blooms throughout it because at the beginning Anne's quite plain. I say she's she's a rose that's never opened, but through it, it, I don't know how they've done it. She just blooms through this story and becomes this blossom at the end. And Captain Wentworth, Kieran Hines, for goodness sake, you know, I bought my husband that uniform, <laughs> uh, the captain's uniform. You know, it's it's stunning. It's it's brilliant. I absolutely loved it. So yes, that is that's why it's my favourite. It's it's the most gorgeous love story. Brilliant. But if if you're reading it and thinking it's boring, 
in the words of Miss Taylor, you're reading it all wrong. Right. Well, this, you know, our, our bookshop is a, a second-hand bookshop. Um, and Jane Austen, Persuasion, uh, uh, we sell it. Oh, as soon as we get them in, they still sell Jane Austen. Oh, wonderful. Still yeah. sell. You know, people come in, young young uh, students come and get it, older people come back to it, find it. Jane Austen yeah. is still a, is still a big hit with, with everybody. Well, she's, she does that marvellous thing where you think that they're not going to get together. And they, and they do, and, and any Jane Austen book is marvellous, but that's my favourite. So, yes, go on, go on buy it from the second-hand bookshop. In the Bookshop, the George Street Community Bookshop podcast for book lovers everywhere. Your next book is a bit of a change. It's Pet Cemetery by Stephen King, a book that Stephen King said <laughs> scared him. <laughs> so it must oh. be some book. I think I've only seen the film of Pet Cemetery, but that was quite scary. <laughs> it's the film is is not a patch, right? Not a patch on on the book and the remake. What I don't know what they were thinking of, no. because um, well, I'll, I'll come to why. I mean that the the story is about a doctor who. Um, he's moving to, um, f- forgive me, where, uh, the, the place, I don't know where they're, they're moving from one place to another anyway, for his, his work, I think. And and right at the beginning um, of this story, he's, he's moving there with his wife, Rachel, and his two children, Ellie and Gage, little, little children. And he's moving to this uh, place um, where he's got some lovely neighbours, elderly neighbours, and, and his father wasn't around. And so this, this old guy kind of becomes a bit of a substitute father for him. Um, and the, the the house that they've got is near to this very long, quiet road, except when the trucks come past, they woof, they go speeding down here. So um, right at the beginning of the story, uh, the, the doctor um, has to attend to this student who is very badly injured called Victor, Victor, Victor Pasco, Victor Pasco, that's it. And um, the, the guy dies, but it's as if... For his, the doctor's kindness, this Victor Pasco is saying to him, "Just, just be careful. Just stay away from that place behind you, right. because yeah. be, behind his house is um, an old burial ground uh, where um, nasty things happened." And um, uh, 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 but his while his daughter is away, when uh, Lewis's daughter is away, his daughter's cat gets run over on this road, and his distraught because he knows his daughter will be distraught and the old guy Judd who lives um, uh, nearby says to him oh look I really shouldn't tell you this but you can bring this cat back to life but (laughs) you know you're gonna have to bury it quick you know so he brings this buries this cat in this old burial ground and the cat comes back to life but the cat stinks and the cat's really vicious and even his daughter doesn't want this cat anymore, you know. And he's obviously, when he's brought the cat back, he's brought something else back with him. Yes. And and Victor Pasco's um, warning about stay away from this place just goes down the swanee. Because what happens is that his little boy gets run over on this road. And his first instinct then is to bury... His little boy. Yes. Now, his little boy is he's buried, you know. He's, there's a long time between the little boy dying and him being buried. And Judd again says to him, um, when Louis says to him, is, 
Has anybody ever buried anybody behind there? And Judd says, no, that's a bad idea. Now, this this is why the film, the, the remake of the film was such a big mistake, because the bit in Pet Cemetery that creeps people out the most is the story of Timmy Bateman, who years ago went off to, to fight in a war and was buried, came back. So he's he's quite decomposed by the time he comes back. And his father digs him up and buries him in this, you know, yeah. in this graveyard. So one day the neighbours are all kind of doing their washing, etc., and they see Timmy Bateman lumbering up the road. And that is the creepiest part of this whole story. And I, and I think that anybody who wanted to see, me personally as well, I wanted to see the film of Pet Cemetery, wanted to see Timmy Bateman's story, this coming back. And if they do a prequel to Pet Cemetery, as I hope that they say they are because you know there is chat that the whole timmy bateman thing will be explored it's the creepiest part of the whole story and they missed it out totally the the remake so so do you do you enjoy kind of horror gothic horror and such like i enjoy stephen king stephen, yeah, stephen king. king's an amazing writer stephen stephen king so of course he buries this child and this child comes back but it's just getting the rot is just coming you know and then he, he you know i don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't Red Pet Cemetery, but it is the creepiest book ever. And I, I love Stephen King. Um, I mean, there, there is a, a book of his, Gerald's Game, um, which uh, is about this woman who's been having sex tied to a bed with a husband who collapses on top of her and has a heart attack. Oh. And he made a whole book out of this woman being tied to a bed with all the things that she thinks about. Very, very creepy. I read it because I thought, how on earth can you make a book out of this. I was introduced to Stephen King many, many years ago by a, an old boyfriend of mine who loved Christine, the book about oh, yes. a, a car, and uh, and gave me this book to read. And that was it. Totally and utterly hooked. But to me, Pet Cemetery is the, the crowning glory of all Stephen King's books. And I, I don't think I'm alone in that, actually. It's, it's just very, 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 very creepy. But so beautifully written as well you know a lot of wisdom in it like you know victor pascoe says to him you know man's heart is stonier and uh and and tries to guide him for his kindness Just do not go to that place don't be tempted but what do you do when the, the chance of your loved one dying your your little baby and you could bring him back you have a go yeah um the pet cemetery stephen king again stephen king still sells in secondhand bookshops uh yeah. and we 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 did have a stephen king um week once and we sold yes. so so many stephen king books people just yes. love him uh um, somebody actually blogged on our website about his, his favorite 10 yeah. stephen king books it, it, he's, he's a total phenomenon hello i'm Anne, one of the volunteers at george street community bookshop and here's some good news if you can't make it down to the shop or you're not local, you can now buy books from us online. Just visit our website, georgestreetcommunitybookshop.co.uk. Have a browse and see if you can find your next read. With thousands of affordable, good quality books for sale on there, and we're updating stock all the time, so you never know what you might find. A bit like coming to the bookshop itself. So wherever you are in the world, buy your next book from an independent second-hand bookshop owned and run by the community. That's us, George Street Community Bookshop.co.uk. Okay, so we're moving on now to your next book, The Tent, The Bucket and Me by the wonderful Emma Kennedy. Terrible holidays in the 1970s. Have you read it? Simon has. 
It is the funniest book I've ever read. And I don't know why I came across it. I think it must have been, oh, get buy one, get one half price. It's very, very likely that I bought this book as the, oh, well, go on then, I'll have that at half price. Um, because I'd not heard anything about it. And I started to read this book about this, this woman who, well, as a kid, goes on all these camping holidays with her family. Um, and every single one that they go on is a disaster. There's there's a lot of, um, I mean, she wheezing buckets, obviously, like you used to do when you went yes. camping, even <laughs> even in Butlins. I remember my mum and dad, there was no bath, there's no on sweets in those days, you know. <laughs> And of course, you know, she doesn't want to sit on it because last time she she couldn't get a tights down. She was a little girl and weed herself. So then she hovers over it, knocks the bucket over. There's one hilarious scene where, because it, it just goes from bad to worse, they're in France and, and a, a mum's trying to clean her up and goes into the French toilet. They shut the door and they can't see anything and there's just a hole in the ground and she falls in the hole. So not only is she covered in wee now, but her legs are covered in merge as well. And and every single holiday, you know, her, her, her aunt, she goes on her, her aunt with her aunt and her aunt's boyfriend, but her aunt also has another boyfriend uh, who she's not supposed to talk about. And there's this hilarious, it, it really is, you know, the word hilarious is plastered on a lot of books and you think when you read them, well, that was not hilarious. I might have smiled a bit, but this book really is hilarious. And and every single year, you know, they try and, and they, you know, there are some nice holidays, not total disaster. They do have some lovely holidays in between knocking buckets over and, but they will go to France and, and have this, kind of seafood and then they're erupting from both ends there's a there's a lot of time spent in the toilet uh, <laughs> in this book but she and she but she it's also like a little history book as well right. you because she observes so beautifully all the things that happened in the 70s and and she takes all this in and when you read it you really do feel if you're of an age that you are on holiday in the 70s yourself and that's why I love it I have bought this book so many times for people as presents. In fact, now I should have taken a note because now I've forgotten who I've given the book to. And and you can't really, have I given you that a book? Oh, that's a surprise present then, isn't it? You know, because I, <laughs> I, I would love to buy everybody I know on the planet, especially at the moment when we all need a really good laugh and, and to get out of the way and to go back to a world which is safer um, and full of buckets of we. Yes. Um, but... <laughs> This book will cheer anybody up. And I don't know if you've ever had this come through your second-hand bookshop at all, but I imagine that if you do now, um, it, it will be swept off the shelves. It's it's wonderful. So funny. I don't think we have, actually, but I know Simon's read it, and Simon and I were talking about it. Uh, I, ha I haven't read it, but I recognise exactly those holidays, and I threaten my children with those holidays. Oh, yes. But, I, but as you say, it was the holidays could be good, but the weather was bad, the facilities weren't what you get nowadays, yeah. and it was like you were, you were in a potential sitcom as soon as you went away, weren't you, really? You yeah. Know? And of course, there's no internet, so no. they, you know, they, so they, they went to a campsite, and nobody else was there. Right. <laughs> uh, and the reason, and they, they, they broke into, they, they, somebody had forgotten to waterproof the tent. Oh yeah. So they decided to break into a caravan, um, which is full of seaweed, and and um, it ends up getting blown off a cliff. And the reason why nobody <laughs> is there is because um, everybody has has realised and and watched the weather that there's a force ten gale on its way. 
um, but nowadays you could just you know do do a met check, can't you? In those yeah, days, yeah. if you hadn't checked the news before you set off, so um, oh, it's it's fab. It's really. Did you enjoy it, Simon? Yes, I, I did. I, I'm, we used to go on holiday in that part of Wales that she yes. writes about. So that that story with the caravan, uh, yes. which is in in Solver, yes. and we used to go to to St David's about five miles down the road. Yes. And yeah, every holiday, you know, th- there was always some sort of disaster. <laughs> so I, I, I identified with it so, so much. Uh, and, it, and like you say, it's just so funny Thanks. and so brilliantly observed. But it's also you know, the, the, the bits in between as well, how yeah. she does it, it evoke um, 1970s life with, yes. with shopping precincts and, yep. uh, yeah. and, and and little tales of what happens at school and, and yeah. the incident with the, uh, the, the pencil and the boy next door and, and things like that. So <gasps> Yes, that's dodgy, isn't it? <laughs> I thought, where's this going to go? Is this... <laughs> doesn't she doesn't know what's been stuck up her bottom and she think are you sharpening a pencil you know it's just that's you know we'll not we'll not say what the little boy was called well i'm intrigued now <laughs> but it, it sounds like this boy's got a nickname hasn't he and it's something like pitting boy uh, which isn't very nice work it out with a toilet bit but it's i you know it's very very dodgy um yes yes yeah. That's the seventies, though, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, you put up and shut up in those days, didn't you? Yeah. Somebody was trying to use your bottom to sharpen a pencil with. Um, yeah, but uh, times. Oh, do you, you need to write a book. They tent the bucket and Simon really, and uh, yeah. you know, could be a big hit. <laughs> if you've any of those little, you, can you tell know, me later, put your Simon. yes. You can. <laughs> I think we've more or less told you really what happened. I think but, so. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think she she arrived um, kind of. Uh, maybe uh, unscathed from the uh, which was sad really because she felt sorry for the little boy then he went and did that to her you know <laughs> but uh, it was uh, you know it, it's all to it's all to do with the this flavor of the book it's absolutely hilarious it's funny even that bit of sexual abuse there but it does actually um fit in and you think why am i laughing at this this is sexual abuse on the page but uh very some very strange little boys around in the 70s i think right you know yes. i think we'll leave it there shall we <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> moving swiftly on <laughs> this is a guess they're not going to have back let's say <laughs> Okay, so to to change the mood completely. Well, it's yes. a, a coming of age story, though, isn't it? So it's it's it might be have some similarities. Uh, Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Yes. Okay. Yes. So tell us about your love for this. Oh my goodness me! I I first read this book at school when um, I think my hormones were growing and uh, unfolding my sexual hormones. I was starting to look at boys um, as as things other than. Um, than, than uh, effective pencil sharpness, I think. Um, but, you know, I, I, I didn't... Um, you, you look at boys in, in your magazines and stuff, but there was something about Rochester in this book right. that that kind of... And there was a... I'll not say who it was, but there was someone in my life, an, an older man who um, I had a massive crush on, a huge crush on, and he was Rochester in my book, right. you know. Um, but... This book to me had everything. Um, I was very lucky in the books that they picked at school uh, because there wasn't one, I don't think, that I thought, oh, crikey, this is, you know, this this I can't read. I, I loved the books that I read. But Jane Eyre swept me away in it. Um, in in fact, on the promise of what the, uh, the Brontes might offer me, 
I eventually, on the strength of reading Jane Eyre, went off to live in Haworth for many, many years. Right. I, I just packed in my job in a building society. I don't know how I did it, really. The, the bravado of, of being young, didn't have a job or anything, um, just made a killing on a house that I'd bought, bought this cottage in the middle of Haworth um, and, and lived there for many years. Uh, but Jane, Jane Eyre had everything in it for me. It had this, this heroine I could identify who was small and plain and... Um, and um, this is the point where you say, no, no, you're no. beautiful. But no, yeah. right. but that went wrong. So, Sorry, um, so I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Small and plain. Uh, and there's this this beautiful house. I love houses in books, you know, like Rebecca and Mandalay. Right, and yeah. I love houses that are almost a character. And there's a few houses in there. And there was a bit of cruelty and there was a bit of triumph over advertising. There was also, um, you think she's going to marry somebody else. There was the love rival. Um, and then there was this beautiful, happy ending, bit of the supernatural. And it just had everything for me. And, and we'd read at first, we'd read Wuthering Heights at school. And I, I could never sympathise with Cathy Earnshaw. I, I just quite honestly wanted to slap her because I thought she was selfish. I felt sorry for Edgar Linton. Heathcliff hanged a dog. And that in my book would never, I've never, it couldn't fall for anybody who hanged a dog at all. I could never see what the attraction of Heathcliff was. I, I imagine that if I ever met him, he would stink for a start. Right. <laughs> um, so it's, it wasn't high up on my list of priorities of men, but Rochester in this book was was just imperfect, you know. It was, and and he, he taught me a lot, Rochester, that if you make your heroes um, too imperfect like Heathcliff was, that women, as a rule, might just not fancy them. They'll be a bit marmitey. If you make them too perfect, they are not going to be able to to think. Oh, I could I could catch somebody like that. But but Rochester was was almost reachable, right? And and. I, th I think in every single book that I've ever written, there is a bit of Jane Eyre. I, I wanted women to identify with my characters, so I didn't make them too too perfect. And that little, just that soupçon of the supernatural, just when when she hears Rochester, she's just about to marry St. John Rivers and, and go off for a life, a, a, a very pale imitation of a life being a, a a missionary when she hears this Jane, Jane, Jane and thinks, I've got to go to him, I've got to go to him. Right. And she she disappears off to um, where she thinks he is and tries to find him. And it's just the most sublime story, the wonderful happy ending and, and a book that has stayed with me for so, so many years and been such a massive influence. As I say, I moved off to Haworth, hoping to be smitten by a Bronte muse and started to write my books when I was there. So maybe it worked, you know, who knows um, if I hadn't have, um, have gone to um, to Haworth, if, if I would be having the career that I've got now. Well, these, these books, Bronte and Jane Austen, they're classics for a reason, aren't they? They're classics because they not only the archetypal kind of modern fiction, they, they yeah. tell people something about themselves, don't they? You know, and and who yeah. they could be and who they are. And uh, Charlotte Bronte with Jane Eyre and Mister Rochester. Now, as you say, they're people you 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 kind of know them, even though they're yes. one hundred and fifty years old, aren't they? You know. 
Yes, yes. I mean, we all know someone who think, well, you've got the potential, but you just, you you know, to be something better than you are, but you're trapped right. by your circumstances like Jane was. But she breaks out of that, you know. She she runs off. She And she's, um, the, my, my English teacher that uh, that went through it with us, again, the, the wonderful Miss Taylor, kind of said, you know, that she couldn't have stayed there. She she, she couldn't have been his mistress. Right. Um, and it's that whole thing of if she was his mistress, he would have lost respect for her because she became his mistress and it probably would have destroyed the relationship, you know. I mean, he did do some rotten things through the the story, but you kind of forgive him because you realise why he did this. And that's why I've never really got on with um, Jean Reese's book, The Wide Sargossa Sea, which is the forerunner to Jane Eyre. And it shows Rochester in um, in, in quite a, a, an unsympathetic light. Um, and Bertha Rochester, um, the mad woman in the attic, of course, it shows her in a sympathetic light. And nobody, absolutely nobody, not even Jean Reese, is allowed to attack Rochester. So I read it, but no, I, I try and forget it. I, I forget that ever happened because he's a god. <laughs> Fair enough. None of us can, none of us men can compete with him. That's for sure. Rochester. Yes. Not, not going to happen, is it? Well, you can you can try. You know, you can get a bit near. <laughs> In the bookshop, the George Street Community Bookshop podcast for book lovers everywhere. Let's move on to your uh, final book, uh, and this is uh, a very modern book. It was only it only came out a couple of months ago, and this is Heatstroke by Hazel Barkworth. Could you tell us about that. I I read this book because of all the hype that it had in the paper. And sometimes books live up to the hype and sometimes they don't. Yeah. But I always go into it with an open mind, you know, and if I like a book, I'll, I'll say. If I don't, I shut up because, you know, what I like and what other people like are totally different. But I read this book and it was like, it was like falling into the pages of a massive poem. It's the story of a girl that uh, runs off from school and she is the best friend of this this other girl and it's it's the it's her best friend's mum that you're kind of in the head with of this right. book so the uh, who is this girl who's run off it's her teacher if you've got that so there's a woman who's got a daughter whose best mate has run off yeah but then you realize that someone else from the school has run off as well and it and it's a bit like those uh, we've all seen them in the news where a, a young girl has run off with a teacher. And this is what happens in this case. But you, the, the the teacher, the female teacher, is fascinated and she thinks her daughter knows far more about where this girl, this Mia, has gone. There was a massive story. Um, I, I don't like to say there was a, a twist in the story because when I hit, get a book and somebody says there's a twist in it, I'm always waiting for that right, twist yes. and, and it kind of puts me on edge. Right. But there are things in this book, shall I say, I wasn't expecting to happen. Right. And they came as an absolute surprise to me. But it's the it's the writing of this book. I read this book as a story and then it was so beautiful. And it's a, a debut novelist, I do believe. I, I went back and read it again with an analytical eye because the the language in it is is absolutely stunning and there's it's i don't show you this it's full of highlights 
Um, if I can just read you a bit here. Her kisses were sticky with guilt. Every caress covered her lie. Her body was taut with secrets, with everything she'd locked up so tight it could never squeeze out. It was. I, I read this book thinking, why can't I write like that? I'm 18 books in and I can't write like that. But her her language is absolutely superb to the extent that I can't wait to see her next book and I will be first in the queue for it coming out. I, I've read into uh, uh, sorry reviews on this book and I, I think that a lot of people think that the ending is a little bit abrupt and I did too. But I've got a, a bit of a, a thing about endings. I know that a, a writer will stop the book when he or she thinks that they should be stopped right. because they can't write anything extra. Because I've, I've had this said with, with the last book that I did, My One True North, oh, it just ended when it did. But I know myself that I, when I tried to write more, it didn't come because everything else felt like an anticlimax. So I respect the writer for ending this book when she did because I, I getting into her head with it, I think, well, that's that's the point when she wanted to end it and, and it's her right to do that. Um, I thought it was superb. I thought it was the most beautiful, poetic piece of work I've read in years. And I loved the story. I loved the plot. I thought it was a, a formidable debut. That's some recommendation. Fantastic. That's uh, Heatstroke by Hazel Barkworth. I'll keep an eye out for that. Fantastic. So we've had Persuasion, Pet Cemetery, The Tent, The Bucket and Me, Jane Eyre, Heatstroke. Uh, fantastic choices, Millie. Um, Millie's own book, I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day, is out now. And uh, that's highly recommended. Millie, thank you so much. You've, you've told us a lot about the books, but you've also along the way told us a lot about how you and how writers work and it's it's been really illuminating it's it's been fantastic thank you thank you, thank you. I had a lovely morning with you thanks for listening you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram just search for george street community bookshop and follow us for the latest updates don't forget you can now buy books from us online wherever you are in the world just visit our website georgestreetcommunitybookshop.co.uk and have a browse. And of course, you can always come and visit us at the shop on George Street in Glossop. Check out the previous episodes of the podcast and we hope you can join us next time in the bookshop. Music